Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It's just one part of one little verse of scripture, but it speaks volumes. God loves a cheerful giver. It's quite a verse. Not only does it say a whole lot about the nature of Christian stewardship, but as it turns out, it also reveals something about God's pleasure and delight in us. Well, today's message is actually all about that delight and about the way of faithful giving. It's the third message in our current sermon series at East Church, and it's based on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. It's a wonderful scene from one of the great films of the early 1980s, Chariots of Fire. And as movie scenes go, this still ranks amongst one of my favorites. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, and if you haven't, why not? Let me just tell you that this is the true story of two runners competing in the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris one of whom was a Scottish missionary by the name of Eric Little. And the scene in question depicts Little trying in vain to explain to his sister Jenny, also a missionary, why he had made the decision to put off his missionary call to China in order to compete in those Olympic Games. I'm going to do my best to recreate the scene here. Jenny. You got to understand me. I believe that God made me for a purpose, for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. It's just this little moment in the film, but for me, it's worth the price of admission. I think the reason I love it so much is though Friends, I will never, ever be confused with someone who is any kind of runner, much less one of Olympic caliber. Never have, never will. Nonetheless, I heard that and I understood exactly what he was talking about there. And moreover, I know the feeling. I mean, I felt it in so many different ways it would take all day to to explain them. I I feel it, for instance, in music. Many times when I'm singing or playing the guitar, times when by some miracle of grace everything goes just right, and the melodies and the harmonies all come together just as they should, and the, and the song or the hymn or the anthem, whatever the music happens to be at the moment, when it's, as musicians like to say, in the pocket, and it's just in the groove, and it's great. You know, and, and, I, and I can tell you For instance, on Christmas Eve, when we sing Silent Night in this place, the voices in this room, everything together, oh boy, do I feel that pleasure of God. And you know, and while I'm on the subject, let me just say here that there are also times, quite often in fact, when I feel that same thing in our times of worship together. Sometimes as it is in the music that we share here. It is also is felt in our laughter and and in our fellowship in this place. And the occasional unpredictability of this time we spend together every Sunday morning. 
it's certainly been there in our moments of prayerfulness. And sometimes, not always, mind you, but sometimes, I even get a sense of it when I'm standing in this pulpit and preaching a sermon for the day. And understand here, friends, I am not talking about everything going perfectly, because it rarely does. And, and I'm not talking about everything going according to plan, which, trust me here, sometimes the best moments we share as a congregation are the ones that no one saw coming, including your pastor. What I'm referring to, and I think you know what I'm talking about, are these moments we have when everything connects, right? When it's clear from everything that's happening that the Holy Spirit is alive and moving in and through this place and in and through these people. When there's joy, palpable joy, or for that matter, when grief and sorrow is mutually born. It's in moments such as these that, yes, we do feel God's pleasure in it. And we feel God's pleasure in us. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest to you that this is maybe the primary reason we come here to worship. And ultimately, what we get out of coming here, actually to echo something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, to faithfully give the best of ourselves unto God so that we might feel God's pleasure in what we do. And to quote Eric Little, or at least as he's quoted in the movie, to give it up would be to hold God in contempt. But to win, to win is to honor him. Oh, I love that. And who are we, I ask you this morning, to ever deny God's pleasure. All of this brings us to our text for this morning in which Paul exhorts the Gentile Christians in Corinth to contribute an offering to benefit the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, first of all, friends, let's be honest uh, about this particular passage of Paul's epistle. There is no disguising the fact that this is a financial appeal, and a pretty effective one at that. Not only does Paul emphasize the spiritual rewards for an abundant response, he says, for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. And while he's also reminding them that since they've been provided every blessing in abundance, they also share abundantly in every good work, Paul also manages in this passage to, shall we say, gently, mind you, play the guilt card in mentioning the Macedonian Christians, to whom Paul makes a point of saying just prior to our reading today, I've been bragging about you to him. Suggesting, now, if some of the Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready for this appeal, that is, if you're not ready there with an offering, we'd all be pretty red-faced, you and me, for acting so sure of ourselves. See what I mean? In its own way, very clearly, Paul is giving a stewardship message, basically with no holds barred. 
And it's no wonder, friends, that we preachers love to return to this particular passage on days, well, on days just like this one. Did I happen to mention, by the way, that next week is Stewardship Sunday at East Church? <laughs> just saying. But all that said, friends, we need to understand that there is much more going on in this passage than merely a pitch for the benevolent support of Jerusalem. In fact, in just a few short verses of Scripture, Paul lays out for us here the way of faithful giving. And whether it involves our time or our talent or our treasure or our whole life itself, it all really comes down to those few very familiar words, God loves a cheerful giver. Now there's a whole lot that's interesting about this verse for me. But just about at the top of the list is the fact that the word that's translated as cheerful is from the original Greek word hilaron, which is where we get our word hilarious. So this verse could well be translated as God loves a hilarious giver, which at least in our 21st century parlance sort of suggests a lack of seriousness on the part of the giver. I don't know about you, but it sort of, for me, creates an image of someone running through the sanctuary throwing money in the air while la laughing maniacally. Not exactly the wisest approach to stewardship. No. In this instance, the word hilaron has to do with delight. Delight. And this is how the message translates it, and very well, I might add. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. And that's exactly what's at the heart of the way of faithful giving. Delight. When you and I give of ourselves delightfully, that is, when we find joy in our giving, we are going to feel God's pleasure in our delight. I hasten to add, however, that Paul is not suggesting that we put on any kind of false piety here or we engage in some fake generosity. And he's certainly not demanding, as a parent might ask of a reluctant child, that we do it with a smile on our faces. No, that's the other message of Paul's stewardship letter to the Corinthian church, that each one must give as he or she has made up his or her mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The act and intent of giving, you see, always, always needs to be from the heart. And that's also, by the way, borne out in the original Greek. The word used for decide or to make up one's mind is actually karia, which means heart. And yes, why often in a hospital is referred to as the cardiac unit. In other words, friends, the true way of giving is never meant to be sorrowful. It's not supposed to be forced. It's not out of, it even isn't out of some, born out of some necessity but ought to be the action of a truly delighted believer. The giving itself ought to be sustained and joyful response to every blessing that God gives in such abundance. 
Now, does this mean that if you're not feeling happy or delighted in giving that you ought to give it up altogether? I say this as a preacher of God's word and also as your church pastor, perish the thought. In the words of a church sign I saw some years ago, God loves a cheerful giver, but God accepts from a grouch. (laughs) But make no mistake, in all seriousness, as persons and as a people of faith, giving, whatever form it takes, is part of our spiritual DNA. I'm going to quote John Calvin here. We are not born for ourselves merely. So a Christian ought neither to live to himself nor lay out what he has merely for his own use. In other words, for the Christian, giving is essential. But the motivation for that giving, that's everything. The right motivation for giving, you see, is what brings us joy. It's what fulfills purpose. It's what serves as a catalyst catalyst for true generosity of spirit. It's what creates community. And it's what fuels ministries of love and peace in Jesus' name. And, folks, it's a blessing. One that, when extended, ends up blessing you in return. But, says Paul, And this is a very important point, friends. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And I don't think one needs to be a farmer to understand what that means. This morning we have had the distinct honor and great joy to dedicate gifts to this church to the glory of God. Gifts that were given by a faithful and devoted longtime member of this very congregation, our friend Effie Watts. And let me just say one more time that while choir robes, tables and chairs at Clavinova are wonderful, useful, and spirit-filled tools of the ministries of East Church, the true blessing we received came in how it was given in the faithful heart, Effie's heart, that motivated that giving. That's a wonderful thing indeed. And you know, I have to say that, it's, that all of this has served to remind me that in so many ways, who we are as a church, our history and our tradition, our personality, joyous, loving, unique, even at times quirky, even especially our shared ministry, in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, all of it comes about as the result of many faithful hearts who have found delight in following Jesus, who have found joy in sowing the seeds of love and faith as they have given of themselves and to the glory of God, both in this place, but also out those doors and into the world. You and I, beloved, We are the recipients of the surpassing grace of God. That same grace that has been given to all of the saints, past and present, who have walked the way of faithful giving. And I will tell you something else, in case you haven't noticed. 
because of them, because of God's surpassing grace at work in them, we thrive. We thrive as a congregation here on Mountain Road. Doesn't mean everything is easy. Doesn't mean that we don't have budget concerns ongoing. But we thrive nonetheless. We flourish as God's people because of you. You who have given wholly of yourselves with great delight in what God has given you and enjoy awaiting of what God has yet to do in our midst. <coughs> From the bottom of my heart, as your pastor and as a member of this church family, I thank you for that. And I ask of you one thing this week, that you will give this matter thought and prayer as you consider our shared pathway as a church in the coming year. Just pray on it. And as you do, as we all do, may our thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, The Way of Faithful Giving. It was recorded during our October 20th service of worship at East Congregational Church. And it's the third message in our current sermon series that we've been calling, The Way of. Just a reminder that if you're looking for a place to come and worship, we'd love to have you join us at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord. And I would love to have the chance to greet you in person. That's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. I do appreciate the support you've given to this podcast wherever you happen to be listening. So be sure and keep in touch. You can do that by a voice message on the podcast page, on Facebook, or by email. However you choose to communicate, I would love to hear from you. So until then, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.